Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Stacy and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Haley Moore, Vice President of Hockey Operations with the American Hockey League. Haley comes with a high-level playing career and has worked her way throughout hockey operations in both men's and women's hockey. Driven in her pursuit of that top level, she provides some great insight of her journey and shares what drives her in this pursuit each and every day. With that, I'm happy to present Haley Moore, Vice President of Hockey Operations with the American Hockey League. Just like in hockey, basketball's third round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders, and to give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day, and the best part is it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. You just download the DraftKings app, go to Pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first, and DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now, and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Haley Moore, Vice President of Hockey Operations with the American Hockey League. Haley, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Yeah, it, it's really great to have you on. And, you know, you have kind of have a different position from some of the people that we've had in the past. Um, we have had some guests work at the league level, but um, not to the extent of the American Hockey League. So I think just with your uh, background in the female game as well, um, it offers a very different perspective. So Let's get right into it here and maybe just start off by learning more about you, talk about your upbringing, playing sports in your early years, and just give people some more information on your background. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I fell in love with hockey at a pretty young age. So I had an older brother who, who played hockey and uh, that's where I was first exposed to the sport. But um, for my fourth birthday, I asked my parents for hockey equipment and luckily they, uh, they delivered on that. So I got involved in the sport really young and um, I, I fell in love with it. And um, I remember back then I, I was the first girl to play in my youth hockey organization, but um, you know, I just kind of saw myself as the same person out there. I just, you know, I fell in love with the sport and had great teammates who supported me. Um, but you know, my parents got really involved as well. They saw that, you know, I was really passionate about it. And, you know, my dad helped and volunteered at all of the organizations that I, I played at growing up and, um, you know, quickly realized that it was something I wanted to pursue long term. So uh, that led me to, you know, off to boarding school for high school. I went to Cushing Academy um, in order to, to play girls hockey in high school. Back then, you, you kind of had to leave your hometown and, and go off somewhere. Um, so that was my path initially. And, uh, and luckily, you know, the resources at Cushing were unbelievable. We had such a great network there, played with some really amazing hockey players, you know, both on the, the girls and boys side there. And, um, you know, I overlapped with, uh, with Chris Bork. Um, so Ray Bork was, was assistant coach of the boys hockey team for all four years that I was at Cushing. And, um, you know, as a girl growing up in Boston and idolizing Ray Bork, and it, it was a really cool experience to just be exposed to um, such high level hockey players and hockey minds at that school. And, um, and really be given the platform to continue to grow and succeed. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where my hockey career began. Um, I, I played all sports growing up. I played three sports at Cushing. Um, hockey was always my love though. And, um, and, and then that's, you know, kind of what led me to, to play one sport in college and have that be hockey. That was, you know, my pursuit. And um, I, I went off to Brown university for my collegiate career and, um, and had a blast there. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's quite the uh, the path, and especially like you said, uh, female hockey. You know, it's obviously grown leaps and bounds uh, more recently, but mm-hmm. um, you know, having to move and and deal with all that early on, and you still had the opportunity then to go to NCAA and, and were successful there. So let's talk about that a little more specifically. Um, maybe just talk about your experience at the NCAA level, and then the opportunity to be captain uh, of your program. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the dream, really. You know, as a young girl growing up. Um, there were so few Division One women's hockey programs in the in the area, and um, and Brown is actually the oldest women's program in the country. Um, so I grew up, you know, as a little girl, going down to those games and and watching the Brown women's team play. So it was a dream come true for me to be able to put on that sweater for the first time and um, and play in that historic arena. There, there's just so much history behind the program and. Um, you feel a, a huge sense of pride, I think, in, in being able to play at that level. So um, for me, you know, it, it seems like a decade ago now, or I guess it, it was, um, or more than that. But, um, you know, college hockey is so much fun. It's it's a grind. And, 
Um, I, I, the things that I remember the most are just my teammates and all those memories made both on and off the ice. It was um, an unbelievable experience. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And if I could go back and do it forever, uh, that would be great. But um, yeah, it's 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 really cool to see how far the collegiate game has come even since I was there too. Um, so when I look back and I see how many more opportunities there are for women to continue to play, um, and, and just the level of the game and, and how it continues to um, just kind of skyrocket. And, you know, it, it's so much fun to watch women's hockey. I loved watching the women's Frozen Four this year um, and, and just see how far college hockey has come. Yeah, it's really grown and, and it's a trend that we, uh, we continue to see and we'll learn more about uh, how you were involved in that level and, and some other levels in your career and uh, the first one I want to talk about here is your initial coaching role with UMass Boston and uh, maybe just what you took away from that initial experience and kind of just walk us through that opportunity. Yeah, when I graduated college, I, you know, for so long just kind of saw myself as a hockey player and uh, I studied biology at Brown and I thought that, you know, when my playing career was over, that was going to be it for me with hockey. And, you know, I was going to use my education to to find some sort of career or trade outside of um, what I had been kind of pursuing on the ice my whole life. So, um, you know, Mara Kroll was the head coach at UMass Boston, and, and she reached out to me about an open position with, with them. And it was soon after I had graduated and kind of hung up my skates. And I was really hesitant. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of justify myself outside of the game of hockey. But um, I ended up taking a volunteer position with uh, with UMass Boston. And it was in that role that I really acknowledged that I could fall in love with the sport in a different capacity. And I think that that really opened the door for me. Um, while I, I didn't know for a little bit of time, you know, where that where my fit was going to be, you know, I, I didn't know if I loved coaching or um, what the path was going to be within hockey, but um, by taking on that role and, and learning from such a great female leader as, as Mara in that head coaching position and seeing where her career has taken her, um, it just, it, it helped me figure out that, you know, there was life outside of playing hockey and that you can still find fulfillment in the sport off the ice. Definitely. And, and I think it's always, uh, you know, some people struggle with that transition, especially when you were so invested in the game from an early age. And, and then you get to that point where you don't really know if there's going to be a way to, you know, work in it full time. And you're maybe going through thinking, okay, maybe I'll volunteer coach my kids or, or something along those lines. But um, you definitely got the the bug for, for coaching and, and continued to work in the game. And the next stop is the move to St. Mark's and, and maybe just talk about that program and your responsibilities working as both a head coach and the assistant athletic director. Yeah. So after some time of you know, working full time and uh, a consulting office job and volunteering with coaching on the side, I, I felt like I was ready to take the plunge full time into athletics and, um, and see what it was like. I wasn't going to figure out if that was the path for me until, uh, until I went to St. Mark's and, um, you know, I, I really I fell in love with being a mentor for those girls and, and helping them reach their aspirations and their goals, you know, to, to move on to playing college hockey from St. Mark's and um, and really took a deep dive into understanding what went on behind the scenes in the athletic department. So working as an assistant athletic director and learning, um, you know, how many things 
go on behind the scenes to make uh, make the operations tick. And that was my first taste of that side of things. And I, I really enjoyed um, learning about, you know, all of the pieces of the puzzle behind the scenes. And um, and that's where I gained, you know, a pretty big appreciation for uh, the operation side of things. And um, it was a it was a great first step for me. I learned from so many great coaches and um, and the school is an awesome community. So it was a really supportive environment for my my first full time uh, career in coaching. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always, uh, you know, great to have an initial experience that's positive like that. And you said you also had the opportunity there as an assistant athletic director just to kind of get some hands on in the management role. And, uh, you know, in your position today, that's definitely something that you've kind of taken on as you've went along here. But continuing in, in coaching specifically, you also made a transition back to the NCAA, this time working as an assistant coach with Harvard. Uh, maybe walk us through the process of how you ended up in Harvard there and uh, maybe how this role was a little bit different than, say, your previous one at that level. Yeah, so I, I guess when people tell you, like, it's all about who you know and the connections you make along the way and build those relationships, like, that, this is a huge example of that. Um, so Mara Kroll, who was the head coach at UMass Boston when I volunteered there, was now an assistant coach at Harvard University. So when there was an opening there, um, she reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in applying. And uh, at the time I was at St. Mark's and, um, you know, kind of in you know, steering the ship there, I was the head coach of the girls team and I was learning a ton on, um, in terms of the athletics operations, but this was an opportunity for me to work under a, you know, a, a veteran head coach in Katie Stone and to learn so much um, from somebody who had been in the game for so long. So that, that was kind of part of my decision in that step is that, you know, I, I could go from leading my own team um, at the high school level to going to work for somebody who had years and years of experience in the game. And, and that's kind of what led me to, to go take on that position at Harvard. And, and I wanted to see, you know, as full-time coaching, what I want to do um, while I was enjoying coaching and, uh, the athletic director position at St. Mark's. This was an opportunity for me to to dive in at the you know the highest level and uh, and learn from a, a really great head coach and Katie Stone. So um, that's you know where that transition kind of happened and 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 I loved it. Like I loved working with that level of an athlete and I loved you know being back in the Ivy League. Um, but it really did kind of unveil for me that I I wanted more of the operations focus as part of my job and I. Uh, I felt like that was missing when um, when I was in that role. So uh, I think that was when I realized that, you know, maybe coaching wasn't the path that I was pursuing. Yeah. And and just kind of backtracking there a little bit, uh, the mentorship and learning from an experienced coach. I think, uh, you know, any time that you can find a situation like that, especially in the earlier stages of your career, it really is an opportunity that you always want to jump at. And uh, I'm sure others have kind of gone in that situation where maybe you're enjoying a role, but that opportunity just entices you and you kind of have to take a leap of faith sometimes and go into that. And I think it worked out for you, but again, uh, you know, trying to figure out if coaching is your, what you want to do full time and having a little bit of a different dynamic there, as opposed to kind of the dual role that you had before um, it opens up more opportunities. And, and you said that it eventually would kind of lead into the management side, which you get you enjoy more. So um, next one I want to talk about here is the opportunity to work in multiple capacities with the Boston pride maybe talk us through the, the role and experience with that organization and provide some insight maybe into some of your daily tasks uh, in running that team. 
Yeah, definitely. So uh, I think the biggest part uh, about this this step for me is that, you know, when I graduated college, I, I really didn't have a professional league to move on to. Um, and, you know, my, my playing career ended what I think is probably sooner, sooner than it should have. And I'm sure many people feel that way. But, um, you know, growing up, I I always thought that there was going to be a league waiting for me by the time I got there. And when I asked my parents, you know, like, where's my NHL? Um, they would say, you know, don't worry by the time you graduate college, like there'll be a league there for you. And there really wasn't. So, you know, hopping in with the Boston pride was the opportunity to, to build what I I had hoped would be there for me. And, um, you know, I met Danny Ryland, um, a few years prior, um, working camps and, you know, we, we hit it off right away. And, uh, you know, I, I played against her growing up, played against her in high school and college. And, um, and when we worked together, we kind of stayed in touch and, and she reached out with this idea to launch the NWHL. And as soon as I learned about it and learned that it was an opportunity to, to create the path that we never had, um, I jumped at it those early years as the GM in Boston were a complete whirlwind. Um, and I think about the daily tasks uh, from what they were in season one through, you know, season six that um, I just finished up last year. And um, th- those daily tasks really went from, from building to growth. So it, it seeing the evolution of what um, kind of the daily tasks in each of those roles looked like, uh, just kind of a testament to how much growth has happened within the league over um, the past six years or so. So, um, you know, uh, it was an opportunity for me personally that I didn't even necessarily acknowledge until I was in the thick of it, um, that it really helped me broaden my leadership skills and my communication skills and my problem solving skills. And, um, you know, when you're building a league and a, a team from scratch at the professional level, there's, there, there's so many things that go into making that operation tick. And, um, you know, when you're in a startup business, you're involved in every single aspect of that. So um, it really helped me to kind of widen my lens and um, and understand really every single role within an organization and um, and help build those roles and create them. And uh, yeah, it, it was an unbelievable opportunity for me that I didn't even necessarily recognize that I was there to be a part of a solution to the problem of, you know, not having opportunity for women to continue to play or to earn a paycheck playing hockey. And uh, I remember handing out those first paychecks in season one and, um, and just how monumental it was and and raising the first cup. Um, And those are memories that will stick with me forever. Definitely. I I think it's, it's really great in just how um, the league has continued to grow and uh, you know, talking about that experience from a hockey operations perspective, it's funny the way that you kind of break down um, being involved in the you know expansion team, a new program, and and not really realizing just how much work there is, it kind of mirrors the um, our first guest on the podcast back in episode number two, Trevor Murphy, because he was with the Newfoundland Growlers and their expansion. And um, again, just you know, you you get in that lead position, you really are doing each and every task, or being involved in everything from sales to sponsorship to the team itself, and and all these different areas. But um, you know, I, I think the Boston Prize seemed like it was a great opportunity for you to grow and. And continue to build your skill set while also having that, uh, you know, that that also added benefit of of being able to grow the women's game and kind of provide opportunities to people who, kind of in a similar situation that you were, are kind of coming up and looking for somewhere to maybe take that next step and be able to play long into their careers. And 
Um, you know, today you, you're not with the Boston Pride. Today you're with the AHL as their vice president of hockey operations. Uh, kind of a, a different position, again, going in with a league setting, which is, is always uh, different from that team setting. So maybe just talk about how you uh, kind of transitioned to the AHL. Like, what was that process like? And then uh, the things that you're involved with now on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, definitely. It's It's been um, kind of a unique transition, especially through the uniqueness of the past year. Um, but, you know, going from working in a professional league that was very much a startup in the beginning and, um, you know, we started as four teams in the NWHL and grew to six by the end of my time there, but um, then transitioning into a league um, with 31 teams and um, and just having so many more um, personalities to work with and, uh, just a larger platform. Um, it, I also have had, a, a greater safety net, you know, and, a, a more resources available to me. So that's all been kind of part of the transition, but it, it was a really lengthy process in that transition. And, you know, I first learned about the role last summer, um, when it opened up and, um, you know, I, I spoke with a few members of the NHL who I had gained, uh, you know, really good relationships over the past, you know, six years working with them in the NWHL capacity. And um, I sent it out to all my friends and I said, you know, who do we know that should be applying for this job? You know, it's such an awesome role. And, uh, you know, a few people replied to me and said, like, why aren't you applying for it? Um, and I think that was, you know, that was eye opening for me. Like I was and I am so dedicated to the women's game and I was so focused on the task at hand and, and you know, running the Boston Pride that um, I was really, you know, pretty tunnel visioned on that and just making our league and our team successful. Um, but, you know, I had a couple of people say that they, they thought I should go for it. And it, it really kind of made me open my eyes a little bit and um, recognize that, you know, I've been working so long on making sure that I was providing opportunity for these women to develop in the NWHL. But, um, you know, I also was in a position to develop myself personally. And, um, and I had that platform within the NWHL and this was a really good opportunity for me to spread my wings a little bit more and, um, and have an impact somewhere else and, and, and also get to continue to learn. And, um, and that's really where I made the decision to jump all in on the process. It was about a six month interview process and um, it, it was, uh, it was lengthy, but it also really helped me gain a, a really good understanding of the league and what a family it is and what the processes of the job would look like. Um, so I felt like I got a really good taste of it all before I, you know, was offered the position and ultimately jumped all in in February. Yeah. I, I think anytime you, you go through a six month interview process, um, you know, you want to be all in and uh, there's definitely a lot of learning and steps along the way. And, and others have, have spoken about that interview process, maybe not, um, to that length, but just uh, some long experiences of their own. And it, it's a it's a struggle just to kind of stay focused and keep that goal in mind. But you've definitely been able to kind of move in there and, and be successful. And um, I, I think just, you know, advancing your own uh, career is also uh, very important as well and, and taking those next steps and learning uh, from the pro on the men's side and, and be able to create that bridge to female hockey and hockey operations. And um, you know, lately, more female hockey minds are becoming prominent figures in the men's game as well. Uh, Noelle Needham, Emily Anglonatsky, uh, Megan Chike, you know, all these different people that people um, hear about uh, in the hockey world. 
maybe just touch briefly on on what you're seeing in the game and and how encouraging you feel it is that people like yourself and these other people that I mentioned um, are continuing to move up the, the ladder in men's hockey as well. Yeah, it's so inspiring to see all these women having success in um, their individual fields within hockey. And and I think the biggest thing that I notice when I look at those women is that they're following their passion. You know, that you know, Emily is so great at video, like Megan is so great in stats, like Florence Schelling is a, a born leader, you know, and um, I think just seeing these women have success in, in roles that they were really meant to be in and are so passionate about is is really inspiring. And, um, you know, we we still have a long way to go, but to to be able to sit in on a meeting and not always be the only female in the room or to, you know, to know that um, these women are are excelling in what they've dedicated their lives to, it's um, it's really encouraging, but I think it's just so important thinking back to, you know, all the young girls that I've coached over the years and um, and many which I keep in touch with, you know, and for them to recognize that those are roles that they can hold one day um, is it's something that I never saw as a young girl. Like I said, I always wanted to just play hockey. That was what I saw. That was what I knew um, I had in front of me. And I knew that those days were numbered. And then I thought I would have to find a career somewhere else. So I really hope that, you know, I, I never had that dream to be working in the role that I'm in right now because I never saw it and I never saw it as an opportunity. And it, it took me a while to figure out that this is where I was meant to be. This is what I want to do. And this is what I want to pursue. Um, so I hope that, you know, every young girl who loves statistics or who loves video or who loves operations or coaching or whatever it is, you know, that that they see a place for themselves much sooner than I did um, and that they know what they're capable of and what those goals are and they can go after them. So it's it's really encouraging. And I think the future is really bright. Yeah. And, and I definitely think we're going to see uh, it continue. I know there's people in the OHL level and uh and junior levels and in minor hockey even it's, it's growing very rapidly so it's only a matter of time before it kind of breaks through and and is on a, a much bigger scale than it is now but um just continuing on that topic and i know we talked about the nwhl a lot but uh maybe instead of looking at the operations side just the on ice product um what, what are your thoughts on maybe the growth and obviously last year they were able to put off the tournament and um you know streaming games on twitch and all these different platforms and more sponsors just maybe talk about the on ice product and the growth that you've seen as of late and, and where you feel it could go here in the near future. It's so exciting. And, you know, I, I feel like one of the greatest parts about my new role in the AHL is that I get to have this conversation with so many um, people who've worked in men's hockey their whole lives and haven't been exposed to the product of the women's game. And, um, you know, to me, I take that responsibility on my shoulders to, to shed more light on the women's game and everything that it has to offer. But I know that, you know, before I started in my role, um, it, you know, we were in Lake Placid with the Boston Pride and the NWHL and everyone in the AHL office was tuning in. And that speaks to the character of those people and, and how invested they are. But, um, you know, they, they would be texting me and congratulating us on the success and, um, and just being in awe of the product on the ice and the speed of the game. And, um, and I think the more conversations we can have and the more exposure and, and eyes we can get on the women's game, the more people are going to realize um, 
how great and fantastic the product is, the the passion on the ice, the speed, the skill, the precision. It's it's such a fun game to watch. And I, I just hope that we can continue to watch more women's hockey games more frequently, um, you know, on a consistent basis on platforms that are easily accessible. And uh, and that's just only going to continue to grow. It's going to be the, the route to more sponsorship and, um, you know, more fan engagement and, you know, ultimately just seeing the game grow on every level. Um, you know, growth in hockey, men's, women's, youth, pro, college, whatever it is, growth in any capacity is going to grow the game as a whole. So I'm just I'm super excited to continue to see where things go and, and like I said, get more eyes on the product because it's fantastic. For sure. And, and I agree wholeheartedly. I can remember uh, coaching AAA this season and uh, being in the hotel rooms with the projector and watching the the tournaments. So, um, you know, great hockey. And, and for people who are still maybe not watching it as much as they should, um, it really is a, a, a great league and, and great um, level of hockey. So I encourage everybody who's listening to, to tune in and pay a little more attention. And, um, you know, you, you said, you know, working at the league level is always a little bit different than the team setting. And you've had now experience in both. Um, maybe just talk about that league setting and how, uh, different it is overlooking you know multiple teams and the interests of multiple teams as opposed to um, maybe a single team or you know still helping the NWHL in that capacity so maybe just talk about the difference mm-hmm. in the two settings yeah there's definitely a lot of differences and I, I think there are some big pros and cons to each um, one of the things that I love about working at the the league level is that you get to really kind of build relationships with every team and and be a part of all of their successes. So, you know, I, I think, you know, being able to establish new policies or make changes and and things that really help and empower all of the teams within a league is a really cool place to be, um, you know, have a big impact across the board and, and figure out, you know, different ways to make things tick and, um, and make everyone more successful. Um, there's definitely less of a, an emotional roller coaster at the league level. You know, when you're at the team, you are feeling all the highs and all the lows. Um, but that's also a bonus, right? When you're at the team level and you, you feel like you're competing for something every single day and you really invest in your players and your coaches and, uh, and that end result come, you know, the, the cup raising at the end of the season, I, I think that those are all special moments to be a part of at the team level as well. So, um, you know, I, I think both roles are, are equally valuable. And um, for me, I really try to focus on understanding the perspective of both the team and the league. And, um, and I think that that's, what's really going to help make me personally and our teams and our leagues more successful is just understanding what that communication between the two and, and having, you know, kind of empathy across the board. And that's what's going to refine these processes and and continue to push everyone forward is having that understanding from both perspectives and um, and being able to kind of refine things as we go along. Yeah, a great point there. And, and I really do think it's good to have, um, you know, in, in the whole process of hockey operations, having experiences in different roles, you can really have a better understanding. And um, I, I think everybody who's gone through that league setting, even before going back into the team setting, it really changes your perspective, especially from a, an operations and a business standpoint, just helping other teams grow as well. And, um, you know, in terms of personal growth for you personally, I usually ask this question to people who have maybe gone through a different career than they expected. And, you know, you said you always thought you'd be a player and now you're in management. 
Um, you know, it, it's been a, a crazy experience the last couple of years, but maybe looking another decade down the road, you know, 10 years, um, where, where do you hope to be in the game or do you have any ideas of where you might be uh, in terms of your own career and development? And, and do you have any ideas on that? Yeah, it's interesting. I get this question asked a lot. You know, I'm somebody who is very goal oriented and I love knowing that I'm working towards something in the future, but I've never really applied that to like my actual role of where I am in my life. You know, I always kind of look at it within the role that I'm working in. Um, you know, I feel like I have been in my dream job almost every step of the way, you know, the past um, 10 years probably. And, you know, I've been so lucky to be in these different positions and I try not to look too far ahead of that. Um, but when I think about the future, you know, I, I hope that there is opportunity ahead that um, that doesn't even exist right now. You know, I hope that the game as a whole continues to grow and open more doors and um, and maybe that will lead me down a new path. Who knows? But, um, you know, right now I'm, I'm super excited to be where I am. I, you know, I want to continue to learn. I'm, I'm heading into my first off season in the AHL and, um, and navigating that. So I'm excited to, to see what I can do here and continue to build new relationships across the board. Um, you know, that's been a big part for me in, in this transition to the AHL is that there are so many new relationships that I have um, to build and people to learn from. So, you know, I'm, I'm focused on having an impact where I am and I hope that the future holds doors that, you know, haven't even been built yet. And I can't wait for them to be built and then opened. Yeah, no, a, a great answer there. And you talk about building relationships and, and learning new things. And the people at My Hockey Resource kind of have that same mindset. And they've created a community with coaches, management, scouts, and even just fans of the game to interact and, and talk about different things in the game. So for anybody looking to maybe learn more or create new connections, be sure to check out My Hockey Resource on Twitter and Instagram. Haley, one of the things they talk about on that platform is resources, whether it's conferences, books, articles, um, different things like that that they learn from. For you personally, what are some of your resources that you like to reference maybe and uh, maybe a few that you'd share with listeners today? Yeah, I'm definitely a big podcast person. Um, so yours and uh, many others. Um, I spend a lot of time on the road, especially during the season. So, you know, plugging into everything. And it's not always um, – you know, not always hockey focused podcasts. I love listening to leadership work. Um, you know, anything with Brene Brown, um, you know, I've read all of her books. Um, I actually just got uh, a new book recently that I'm excited to dive into in the off season. Um, it's called the go point. Um, and it's just about making critical decisions and in, in leadership positions. So really excited to dive into that one. Um, but dare to lead by Brene Brown is, is one of my favorites and, um, you know, of course, I always love plugging into the hockey world as well. But um, those are some of my favorites on the leadership side. That's a great, uh, a great couple of ones that you mentioned there. And a lot of times people also mention that, you know, hockey isn't always the focus. Sometimes leadership tends to be, um, you know, a favorite or or just something to get away from the game. I think that's also important. Sometimes uh, I, I try to, you know, as plugged in as many times as I do interviews in the game. I also like to listen to things outside of it. So great suggestions there that I, I'm sure listeners will take advantage of as well. And, uh, you know, throughout your career, you've had so many different people that you've met and you're only meeting more as, as each day goes by. But uh, maybe looking back on your career as a whole, who are some of those key mentors who really maybe pushed you in that next uh, level, or the next direction? And uh, what are some of the lessons that they taught you collectively here throughout your career, both as a player and as a, a coach or manager? 
Yeah, in terms of uh, my mentors throughout my career that I've been able to work with, you know, I mentioned Mara Kroll. Um, she's been you know, exceptional and just empowering me. Danny Ryland, um, you know, is kind of the epitome of of being fearless and empowering people around her. So, um, you know, she's been a big one for me as well. Scott Fusco was um, my boss at the East Coast Wizards, and uh, he is just a phenomenal mentor. And he's helped me every step of the way through my career and um, was a fantastic player as well, you know, an Olympic medalist and a Hobie Baker winner. But um, what he can do professionally as a leader and um, within the game has been phenomenal. But, um, you know, I definitely think back to my parents, and, and they are 100% my biggest mentors, my, my biggest inspiration. Um, you know, I, I spoke earlier about my father, you know, volunteering his time when I was a young girl. And um, I didn't necessarily recognize it at the time, but I recognize it now that all of the work he did behind the scenes, I think it is what really helped me gain an appreciation for um, working on the operation side of the game. And um, and knowing how many countless hours go into to making everything run. And it's because I saw him do it day in and day out, you know, for my entire career. Um, just, you know, my mom and my dad have been my biggest fans and um, just the power of encouragement and positive support. Um, uh, they are definitely the, the two that I thank the most and have been my biggest mentors. Yeah, it goes a long way having that support early on and, and from a family setting. I think that's always key. And uh, those who have been successful definitely have that uh, that support from day one and, and are able to even apply it. Like you said, things that he did behind the scenes, you're able to kind of tie back into it now and, and use it in your role. So it's it's kind of funny how it comes full circle at the end of the day. But, um, you know, in think of bringing it all together as a final question on the podcast maybe looking back at someone uh, like yourself who's looking to make that transition into management and maybe a female um, who's looking to kind of break a barrier or, or get into the game, whatever capacity it may be, what's one final piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful in hockey operations? Yeah, and I guess I can only speak to my experiences, but um, in that sense, you know, I, I really would say like stick to who you are and follow what you're passionate about like that has led me to where I am. And I had no idea that this is where I was going, but every step of the way, um, I just kind of tried to let my passion lead me and, um, and be fearless in that pursuit, you know, go after every opportunity that you think is, um, is what you desire to be in and, and don't be afraid to go after it, but, um, definitely appreciate and value the relationships that you make along the way, because those are, um, the things that are going to support you when times are tough and also going to help you, you know, open doors down the road. So, um, you know, just go right after it and, uh, and follow your passion and it'll definitely lead you to where you're going to be, where you want to be. Yeah. A, a great, a great final piece of advice. I think, uh, anytime that you just follow your passion and be yourself, um, you know, don't change who you are, but, you know, take those challenges and, and take it in stride and, I think that's great advice for anybody looking to enter the game and, and is, uh, you know, comes from someone who has obviously gone through the work themselves and, and kind of made that uh, progression throughout the hockey operations industry. So Haley, with that, I just want to thank you again for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed, uh, you know, researching your story and then getting some follow up questions here today. And I'm sure others will be very intrigued uh, to learn more. So with that, thank you again. And I wish you all the best here moving forward. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. All right. Take care. 
One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma. And this segment of the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Kitty Vitty Brewery. You can visit their tap room now open seven days a week and their new retail location in St. John's, Newfoundland at 16 Harborview Avenue. If you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment, somewhere to sit with friends, you can definitely check out their original location in Kitty Vitty, Newfoundland. Join the Kitty Vitty Craft Club at kittyvittybrewery.ca and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for a casual beer drinking fan and also the beer enthusiasts. And stay tuned, because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. I'd like to thank Haley for coming on the podcast and sharing her story today. Hopefully her goals and recent trajectory in the game will inspire both male and female hockey minds to move forward in their own goals of reaching the highest level. If you would like to get in touch with Haley to learn more about her experiences, I encourage you to reach out to her directly, or you can contact Podcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. To see our next guest on the podcast, be sure to tune in to our social media platforms as we make that announcement over the next couple of days. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening in today and for continually supporting the podcast. Be sure to check out our social media platforms as well as our website for more content, more episode information, and more info on the upcoming Hockey Minds Conference set to start next Saturday. As always, stay safe and all the best.